Hello and welcome to our Crime Connect podcast. This is our weekend breakdown for the week of uh, February 24th to March 3rd. A couple quick notes before we get in. I am alone today. I'm so sad and I feel so lonely. We could not get Jerusha on because of some technical difficulties. But I did order some equipment so hopefully this is the last one I do alone. um, Because I really enjoy having somebody else to talk to. It feels a little less crazy, to be honest. Um, We have a lot to cover this week. Unfortunately, we had a lot of really heartbreaking cases and updates to our cases this week. So I just kind of want to reach out to everybody to make sure you're taking care of yourself, getting the sleep you need, finding little things that make you happy. We all obsess over different things in different cases But we need to make sure we're taking the time to take care of ourselves. I have to do it. Um, It can be very draining to post, not just, I mean, you know, we run almost 30 groups. um, So to keep those updated, but then also I'm posting on the Crime Connect page, different news that happens throughout the day. And a lot of those are very emotionally draining. So take care of yourselves. If you have to find a podcast that is kind of about nothing but something funny, for instance, I listen to The Secret Life of Weddings, which I adore. It is something that I can just put on and laugh at while I'm cleaning and not have to think about anything deep or serious. Um, If you're uh, familiar with the group on Facebook called, I believe it's called That's It, I'm Wedding Shaming. It's a lot like that, but in a podcast. And the two girls that run it are so funny. I wish I could be that funny. I'm not funny. I apologize. Um, I also listen to Watch What Crappens, which if you're into Bravo shows, Real Housewives, Below Deck, those things, that is the podcast to listen to. So those I, I will put on when I'm cleaning my daughter's room, which takes 10 hours, or the kitchen, and just, it's kind of like a a palate cleanser. Everybody should have that, whatever it is, gardening, taking a nap, anything, something that makes you happy and lifts your spirits because, like I said, it's very easy to just get burnt out, and I don't want to do that to you. So, after that being said, we do have to get into it. We're going to start with the case of Cynthia Carver. Um, Cynthia is missing. She is a mother and a correctional officer. She was last seen February 21st after she dropped her kids off at a babysitter's house. She was supposed to meet what is described as a new man in her life. We don't know who this man is. I don't believe her family knows who this man is, but she was supposed to meet him and that was the last time anybody saw. So then the next day she was supposed to start at a new correctional facility and she didn't show up for work. And I'm assuming they called her mother or somebody got in touch with her mother because her mother became concerned and went to Cynthia's apartment to see what was going on. She actually went in and saw a ton of blood at the back door She saw a bloody cloth and a knife by the sofa. Not a scene that any mother wants to find. 
Cynthia's car was still at her place, but her purse and wallet and her phone were missing. And that's really all we know. We haven't had any real updates on this case. Her community is really pulling together, searching for her on foot. They're holding prayer vigils. And this one really sits with me. I don't know why it isn't getting as much attention out there in the main media. Locally it is, but outside of that, it really is not. And I don't know why. I feel like if this was somebody else, Cynthia is a a black woman. And sometimes, unfortunately, black women do not get as much attention in the media. I know for a fact if this was a white mother who went missing and blood was found inside the house like this and a knife, this would be everywhere. We all know that because we see it all the time. It is what it is. Her family is pushing the story hard, so it's not them. Unfortunately, this is a fact of life in our media, and I know a lot of people don't like to hear that, but it is something we have to address. So we will continue to cover it. We have a group on Cynthia. If you're interested in this case, please join. We do know that Cynthia, as a correctional officer, at least received one threat related to her work. Which is really scary if you think about it because all of these dating websites, Tinder, Plenty of Fish, anybody can have access to that and create a fake profile. Know that, you know, Cynthia is kind of dating. She's looking around. Maybe that got out at work and somebody put up a fake profile and kind of tricked her into this meeting and then something happened. Or it could just be somebody unrelated to her job. We really don't know. And Cynthia has children. Her mother and her brother are devastated. They need their family member back. So we're keeping an eye on this story and we will let you know if there are any updates. Um, I'm sorry right now if there's a weird edit or anything. My daughter is in here. I put some noise canceling headphones on her and she's going to be very quiet and not listening to what we're talking about it when you're home alone with your daughter all the time this is kind of what you have to do to get things done so another case we've been following for well we've been following it since december but we made a group about three weeks ago is the chris bagley case in iowa chris is a husband and a father and he went missing Under really weird circumstances, not as, I mean, not as weird as we usually hear it, but when I get to the details, you'll understand why. Um, Chris was at home with his wife, and I'm not sure, but I believe another woman named Lydia was there, and for some reason, he left with this woman to go hang out at a bar. He kissed his wife on the lips, and then he kissed her on the forehead again and said, I love you, looking into her eyes. This will become important later. An hour later, he sent his wife a text that said, I love you. His debit card was used around 2 a.m. at a BP gas station near a highway. And then the next morning of December 14th, he was seen in the Cedar Rapids area at a home. That was the last time Chris was seen alive. And that's kind of all we knew. We 
we kind of knew names and stuff, but we didn't have any details until more recently. Um, we know that from his wife's statement on social media, she said that he was supposed to hang out with Lydia at a bar and they ended up going to a house who was owned by Paul Hoffs. He was last seen there at 4.30 in the morning. Lydia has been cooperating with police, so I'm assuming this is where that sighting came from, but Paul has not been cooperating. At least six people have told this family that he was killed in, quote, horrific ways. Um, the rumor was that he had a hate out on him. We obviously can't confirm that. But if you think about what I told you when he left the house, looking into his wife's eyes, saying I love you, and then the I love you text, it almost seems like Chris knew something was going to happen. If that's true, I can't think of things that are more heartbreaking than that almost. It's knowing that you're going and you might not be coming back to your family is something that's really difficult to think about for me and I'm sure for his family. So I had started getting tips, not tips, but people talking to me about law enforcement activity at a home. And then it hit the media that there was indeed on February 28th, law enforcement activity at a home in Cedar Rapids a lot. Um, we then found out that they were digging up the backyard and they found human remains there. The father later confirmed that day, I believe this was March 1st, that the human remains were found and the father confirmed that it was Chris. And they, I believe it was also that day that the sheriff came out and kind of with a vague statement said, that they believe this was related to his case. Obviously, they can't make a official announcement until they have some sort of official ID. But it's enough that the father made the confirmation. What we know, and I've also been getting this privately through people who are in our group and know the case, is that Paul Hoff was arrested on February 18th. I don't believe this has hit the media is in being rela related to this case. But I know it's out there. He has not been charged with anything involving this case, but he has been arrested on a, I guess it's a warrant or a hold for the U.S. Marshals, and he is not the only one. There are others who have also been arrested on holds for the U.S. Marshals. So I, I do believe that we're getting answers very soon on this case, and I do believe, based on some other things I've heard privately, that this is going to be related to some sort of hit involving drugs. And I don't mean, I don't want to say that to kind of disparage Chris's name or anything. To us at Crime Connect, it doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. Nobody deserves this. I don't, I don't care what you've done. As it, We've all done different things. But to be murdered in this way and to have to leave your family behind is not okay with us. So again, we're going to continue following this and hope we get some updates soon. I'm really hoping this week and we will keep you updated. You can find these groups at our facebook.com slash crime connect magazine page. 
and there's a group tab. You can find all of those. You can also look in the group section of Facebook and look for the Crime Connect The Vault group. That is our main group that has, I mean, we put memes in there, we joke around in there, but we also keep updated on cases that we don't have groups for, so we're following a lot of different things. If you're not involved, get yourself involved. This week, we also had a new case pop up, and it was very quick, and we're going to continue following it through the legal process. This was one that was very difficult to follow emotionally. This is the Jassy Kohea case out of Boston. And if you're with Crime Connect, you know that we also had another case in Boston recently. We're not going to say the victim's name. Um, she did survive and she deserves some sort of privacy. But we are following her legal case in another group. We had every hope that Jassy would come home to. And unfortunately, it didn't play out that way. And it's really hard to imagine that Boston has had these two cases so close together. And we're going to discuss a little bit about what the community can do in relation to how we discuss these cases. Because there really needs to be some sort of group effort and a sort of like a shift of mindset on how we discuss cases like Jassy's. So Jassy's case starts February 23rd. She was celebrating her birthday at a club. I believe it was called Club Venue. And this was a Saturday night. I'm not sure what happened to make everybody leave. I heard something about everybody being told to leave. Um, one girl even left her phone behind. So I'm not sure what happened to make Jassy leave the club and separate from her friends. But somehow she was separated. She was seen on camera after midnight, now on Sunday, with an unknown man. And she was never seen again. This went out on Boston Police's Facebook page. They distributed surveillance photos. A lot of rumors flew. Some were not true. Um, and then on February 28th, they announced they had a suspect, Lewis Coleman. Lewis is a 32-year-old, well-educated man, and he lives in Providence, Rhode Island. Around the same time that they announced He's a suspect. They also are searching his apartment building. And this pops up in the media very quickly. They have cameras, helicopters there. They're showing the police searching dumpsters coming in and out of the building. And a source tells one of the reporters that Lewis is seen on surveillance at the apartment building carrying Jassy inside. And then he's later seen leaving with two suitcases. And Jassy has never seen leaving. Um, later the same day, February 28th, a police chase in Delaware ends with the arrest of Lewis Coleman. And unfortunately, Jassy is found dead inside, inside his car. 
he has been arraigned as a fugitive of justice in Delaware, and the extradition process has been started to bring him back to Rhode Island. He is currently charged with kidnapping, failure to report a death, and mutilation of a dead body. His charges will change again. Um, some will be added, I'm assuming, once he gets to Rhode Island, which I'm sure will happen this week. Jassy is a, a beautiful young girl, and she was also a mother. This is another mother we have lost to violence at the hands of a man who, for whatever reason, decided that a woman's life was not sacred enough, was not good enough, and he took it. And it's unfortunate to me that, you know, I watch everything on Twitter, um, on Facebook, everything that's being said about the cases I follow in case there's something I need to share with you guys. And the larger discussion around Jassy's death has been that women need to be more careful and that women need to tell their families where they're going and their friends and need to have a gun, have a knife, all of this stuff. I mean, it it goes, I mean, I don't know. Women should just not leave the house at this point by some people's standards because it's apparently up to us to keep ourselves safe. And while each person, man or woman, is going to decide what they need to do to defend themselves in certain situations, when a woman is murdered this brutally, the larger conversation should not be what a woman should do to have prevented that. We do not hold victims responsible for their own deaths. That is not okay with me. That is not okay with a lot of people. That conversation about what you do to protect yourselves, great. Having when you're getting ready to go out, have a plan, teach your daughters that, that's all well and good. But when a murder like this happens, you need to stop. This is not the conversation that deserves to be had. Jassy deserves better than that. And I'm going to read a quote from District Attorney Rachel Rollins, who is handling this case. She says, Jassy was not in the wrong place at the right time. She was right where every woman has every right to be. Let's not fall into a discussion about how we shouldn't walk home alone or how many people we should call when leaving a bar. If anything, let's remind the men in our lives that violence against women isn't a woman's issue. It is a problem that men take responsibility for in their lives and their sons' lives and in their social lives, with their friends and their colleagues. And this is what it amounts to, guys. Violence against women at the hands of men is because of men. It's not because of what we as women are doing wrong. That, that line of thinking needs to stop. We need to be telling our husbands, our brothers, our sons, and our friends what the real problem is, and that is this toxic masculinity way of life that some people think is okay. 
And a lot of people are confused about what toxic masculinity is. It is not masculinity. It is not, you know, my husband opening the door for me. It's not my husband thinking, you know, if somebody breaks in, he's going to grab the bat first. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is men as children being unable to express themselves emotionally and how damaging that can be to an adult man after he grows up and he's not able to deal with what he feels and he acts out in anger and violence and women who are now being victimized because of his violence. That's what toxic masculinity is. It's the men who message you on Facebook And then when you don't message back, they say, fuck you, you're a cunt because you didn't answer. How dare you? That is toxic masculinity. Men who cannot accept no for an answer. Men who see a woman and see a victim, a thing, somebody weak. That is what toxic masculinity is. And that's what we need to address. So I hope everybody going forward understands That in our groups, we talk about this. And if you disagree, we don't want to hear it, honestly. Because we know what the problem is. There have been studies. We are not... Look, our admin team is made up of people who believe different things politically, uh, religiously, all of that. But we know what the cause of violence against women is. And when we see a case like Jassy's... We're going to scream it from the rooftops. So if you don't want to hear that, I apologize, but not really, because we're going to keep doing it. Okay, I needed to take a little break and get a little drink because that one made me a little upset. Anybody who knows me and follows uh, Crime Connect knows me and our admins are very passionate about that issue. I do apologize for getting a little heated. On to our next case. Another short case, very new. It is still developing as we speak. Amber Lee Barnett, 11 years old, went missing in Alabama on March 1st. She was last seen supposedly at 6 p.m., Her, the story is that her aunt left to run errands, left her alone. The aunt's brother-in-law was working on a neighboring property and a green Durango was seen in the driveway. We knew Amberly was in danger because she left her phone behind and what 11 year old leaves her phone behind? Not a good sign. So we immediately started a group when I believe I woke up that morning, uh, well, the morning of March 2nd and saw it and started a group because I knew a lot was wrong about this case. Um, we don't have a ton of info. We know that she was not living with her mother for some reason. Her mom was in Georgia. I've heard different things. I'm not going to go into detail because I, I don't really think it matters. I'm not going to tear her mother down when I don't think her mother had anything to do with this. If that changes, of course, we'll get into it. But look, we're not all perfect. Um, Our victims and their families are not always perfect. But like I always say, we're here for the victims and we're not here to create witch hunts against other people. So Amberly 
God, guys, she is a beautiful little girl. I've seen some videos of her and her little accent, and I'm heartbroken to say that on March 2nd, they did find her body. If you watch the press conferences, they've had two with the sheriff holding his Bible. And I believe he said, our hearts are shattered. It is, it is the worst part about following these cases. The anxiety leading up to a press conference and then hearing those words and seeing the faces of the people who have seen the crime scenes. It takes its toll. And I didn't want Amberly's case to end that way. There have been no official arrests yet. I know there is rumors that a man was arrested and he the charge he's being held on is a hold for another agency. So he hasn't been officially charged. I know people in our group are linking him to the family. It may all turn out to be true. It may not. It may be that he's connected to the family, but he was arrested because he had a warrant. Who knows? It's the weekend, and we don't always get information on the weekend, unfortunately. They're still working on it, but I don't know. I always find the local media don't do as much work on the weekends. They're out there. They're just not putting out the big stories. Um, It's just, a, I guess, a pattern that I've seen. So I'm sure tomorrow we will get more answers. There are a lot of rumors about what happened to poor Amberly. I don't want to go into them until they're confirmed. We will probably have much more on this case as it develops. Again, you could find our group for it, or you could follow our page, and our updates will be there as well. Those are basically the cases we covered this week. We have a few things coming up this coming week that I'm excited about. On Monday, we have the sentencing, finally, of Thomas Law and Evans. Thomas kidnapped a four-year-old child from Johns Island, South Carolina. And this was after assaulting her mother. Her mother was found unconscious in the house. And by the time she was found, it had been hours that this guy had a head start with this poor little four-year-old. And they were found, I believe, in Alabama. I could totally be wrong. I don't have that in my notes, but I believe so. Um, By a work crew who made the call, thankfully, and the little girl was found. He was charged with assaulting both the mother and the little girl. This is somebody who was just out of prison. Um, And I believe they said his excuse was that he was passing by and he saw them and thought that they were just the perfect family. And that is horrible to think that you could just be going about your life and somebody sees you and wants to take out their anger on you because you look too perfect. It, predators will come up with any excuse, any reason to do what they do because that's what they are, predators. And knowing the signs of what a predator is, how they act, what they're capable of is what ultimately is going to help us in the future as a society sentence these people better, make sure they're not on our streets anymore, and 
hopefully allow people to not bring these predators into our lives as boyfriends or husbands or even just friends. He is also suspected of killing his girlfriend, Nanette, and she has not been found. She is a poor woman from South Carolina. Family is not well off. It does not get any attention. We do try and keep up in our group any little tidbit of information that comes up. And, I mean, I just hope that he gives authorities some information about where she is. Because he did say that he stabbed her. But where is she? We don't know. And her family, unfortunately, her mother died before she got answers. And we're never going to stop thinking about Nanette and where she is until she's found. But his sentencing is coming up Monday. Um, we will be looking forward to that. The same day we have a hearing in the Patrick Frizzy case. This is going to be a hearing on some consumption testing, which I assume is some sort of DNA. Basically... The prosecution wants to test something, but in that testing, it is going to destroy the sample they have. So they need the court to decide if they're allowed to do that. Um, Because once it's destroyed, you can't retest it. So the court's going to make a decision about that. We don't know what it is. Maybe we'll find out, maybe not. In the last hearing, Patrick also said he wanted to address the no contact order he has with his daughter at a future hearing that may be talked about in this hearing I don't know I don't see why it wouldn't because they're in front of the judge and they have plenty of time so we will see I Jesus I hope that judge does not give him the ability to contact Kaylee and through Kelsey's parents can you imagine them having to set up phone calls to accept phone calls from him because she's a little baby. She's not going to read a letter. She's not going to know what a letter is from him. I just can't. No, I don't even want to think about it. I hope that doesn't happen. On Thursday the 7th, we expect some new information on the Chris Watts case. He apparently told investigators some new information I don't know how much more information we need about this case. I feel like we have too much already. I don't want to know any more. But on that day, it is expected that it will be released. Um, Well, also, you know, new cases pop up every week. So we will be following anything that comes up. Coming up, I have a special segment, a sound off segment. So stay tuned and listen. And this is something you'll be able to provide feedback for. Um... Be right back. Okay, welcome back. If you're still with us, I want you to sound off. Give us your opinion on this case. I'm going to ask a question at the end. Um, I'm going to give you my opinion, and then I want to hear yours. I'm really interested in what people think about this. So, earlier this week... A woman dropped her baby off, I believe it was a year old, at a friend's house. And this friend had babysat for the woman before. The baby's name is Paxton. She dropped Paxton off 
at this woman's house who had watched him before. He's even spent the night before. And in this instance, he was going to spend the night again. The babysitter then left the baby alone in the care of her own 11-year-old child. This child, according to her sister, has anger issues and is very troubled. This child has never been left alone with a baby before. She is not an experienced babysitter. And where this took place in Maryland, it is the law that the legal age of a babysitter is 13. This 11-year-old in some way injured the baby intentionally. And according to police, she confessed to injuring the baby. When the family came home and found the baby injured, they called 911 and unfortunately he didn't make it at the hospital. He passed away. The 11-year-old is now charged with second-degree child abuse. I don't know if they're going to up her charges. The police have not ruled that out and they said they also have not ruled out charging anybody else in this case. Now, the question is, should the 11-year-old's mother the official babysitter, be charged too. I am super sensitive about charging children with crimes. And everybody can say children know right from wrong. I get that. Um, I knew at 11 years old what was wrong, for sure. Uh, other kids do as well. But children do not have the emotional capacity to deal with certain things, certain emotions, anger, children act out. There is a reason why your brains are not fully developed until you're 25. There's a reason why kids make stupid mistakes and just do the stupidest things that you just look at them like, why in the world would you do that? Because you're an adult and you have a fully functioning and developed brain and children do not. So, should we be holding an 11-year-old this responsible for somebody? Should she be charged with murder? Now, I'm not saying she doesn't need help. The girl is clearly troubled. She needs help. She needs serious evaluation. She probably needs to not be in society for a while. But do we hold her as the sole person responsible for this death? In my opinion, no. I, I believe her mother is responsible. Her mother was the person left in charge of this baby. Her mother is the one who made the decision to leave the baby alone with a troubled 11-year-old. And she should be charged. In the, the biggest charge... To me, the murder charge should be on the mother and not the child. And that is my opinion. I would love to hear what you guys think. Wherever this link is posted, post your opinion. Um, if you are if you just found this podcast, go to facebook.com slash crimeconnectmagazine. It will be posted there and you'll be able to share your opinions. Um, you could also... I mean, just Google Crime Connect on Facebook or on Google and it'll pop up. We are super happy that you guys have listened to all of this and have stuck with us. I hope we get clearer podcasts in the future and I hope this is the last one I do by myself. I really miss Nikki and Jerusha. 
Um, and we're supposed to have Kristen, and you could hear her cute accent. I love it. Um, she has a cold, so she will join us at some point. Um, probably Kathy too. All of our Crime Connect admins will eventually be with us. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next week. Thanks. If you enjoyed this, please join our Crime Connect Facebook page. From there, you could join our main group, The Vault. And we have so many different case-specific groups. They're all listed on the Crime Connect page. I would love for you to join us and follow us. See you there.